You're listening to Season 6, Episode Number 4 of Strike the Match. In this episode, I am hitting the pause button on the discussion of the apostolic imagination and turning my attention to a book that has just recently been published. David Hesselgrave, famous for several books, a noted missiologist, passed away in 2018. However, he and his granddaughter, Leanna Davis, collaborated on a book shortly before his passing. Leanna is my guest on this episode of Strike the Match, and we talk about this new book, We Evangelicals and Our Mission. We also have a conversation about her grandfather as well. So with that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with teacher and missiologist Dr. J.D. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.D. I am uh, delighted to have this uh, conversation today with, uh, with a special guest, Liana Davis. Uh, that's a name that some of you may be familiar with. She has uh, done um, work in other areas outside of uh, missiology. She's written a couple of books uh, that I know of at least, and I know she does a lot of writing online as well. She has a book uh, on a study of Jude called Keeping the Faith, and uh, she has another book that is called Made for a Different Land, Eternal Hope for Baby Loss. And and so she is out there ministering to the body of Christ and has been for some time, but I have invited her, and she has graciously accepted this opportunity to uh, to be on Strike the Match because I really want you to hear from her. So the the thing that caught my attention was I found out that she was collaborating on a book with an individual that come can't, that I come to find out is uh, her grandfather, and that uh, was uh, Dr. David Hesselgrave. And so his last book was just recently published, and she was a collaborator with him on this project. The title of the book, so check this out, the title of the book is called We Evangelicals and Our Mission. The subtitle, now get ready for this because this, <laughs> this is a long subtitle, How We Got to Where We Are, and how to get to where we should be going. Uh, a fantastic work that I've had the, the wonderful blessing uh, to be able to read, and so delighted to be able to have Leanna Davis with us here today on Strike the Match. And so, Leanna, I just want to welcome you, and thank you for giving up your time and being here with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So I, I've mentioned a little bit about you already, and of course I, you know, I've snooped around on your website. Um, but tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, I uh, live outside of Dallas, Texas, and um, live with my husband and our youngest daughter. As you a bit alluded to um, in my one of my books, um, I've experienced uh, loss of a child. So our first daughter is, uh, we have the hope of her being with the Lord in heaven. Mm. So two children, and um, we've just recently become Texans, so I'm getting used to you know, this weather um, after coming from the northern suburbs of Chicago, I have to say, I'm enjoying it quite a bit here. Wow. That, now, that has to be not only a climate shock, but also a, a little bit of a culture shock, I'm just guessing. It is different, yes, I have to say. It's, um, so, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Not at all. I, 
In in the Midwest, I would say to me, it felt like a, a bit of a kind thing to let people stay in their bubbles a bit more. And in the South, it's not that way at all. So. <laughs> That's that is true. That is true. But hey, before we get into uh, talking about this this book that you just uh, published, we evangelicals and our mission. Um, those other two books that um, that I've already referenced. Uh, can you can you unpack those a little bit? Tell us a little bit about uh, keeping the faith and uh, a little bit about made for a different land. Yeah. So the first um, book that I wrote, made for a different land, was following this, the stillbirth of our first daughter. And it was really, um, the experience was a total shock for us. We had our nursery ready. Mm. I went into labor. You know, we had every indication that we'd be bringing home our daughter. And I even felt her move in the hospital parking lot. But once we were checked into our room, um, there was no heartbeat that could be found. And so, um, in this book, Made for a Different Land, I really grapple with all of the theological questions that were raised for me during that time and how I worked through those um, to to resolution and, uh, you know, to really be able to say now these seven years later that I've, I feel closest with my daughter in terms of, you know, our heavenly hope and our share mm-hmm. of the Lord. And so that was that. My grandfather um, actually contributed to that book um, as well. So he had written an open letter to our first daughter and he allowed me to include it in that book. So that was, um, you know, some precious grandfatherly reflections there. Mm -hmm. And uh, keeping the faith. Yes. So now the the book that we're going to talk most about today um, that you said the Title and long subtitle of already. <laughs> you know, that's like a you know back in back in the eighteenth um, uh, century, yeah. those book titles were like about you know twenty five lines long. Yeah, kind of reminded me of that. But you asked <laughs> what was going to be in the book after you read the title. You know, it's kind of helpful. <laughs> it's very helpful. It certainly is. So, I'm sorry, I digress. Yeah. I digress from from uh, your Jude work. Yes. Yes. The, um, the project with my grandfather actually happened after Made for a Different Land and before the Jude study. So it just happened. Oh, wow. Okay. My grandfather's book is being released now, um, but that was kind of the sequence in, in, in timing there. And so in Keeping the Faith, the study on Jude, I actually am able to explore some of the um, interests that were brought up from this project with my grandfather. And so keeping the faith and the epistle of Jude um, teaches us about, you know, the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints and kind of you can wrestle with, you know, what am I making my spiritual authority and um, kind of be uh, redrawn back into the Lord and reverence for him based on, you know, Jude's message. So that was kind Mm -hmm. of the sequence and kind of that book kind of stemmed in some ways from the thoughts that I had while I was working on, you know, this project with my grandfather. Wow, that's that's fantastic. I think oftentimes we, as believers, overlook Jude just because it's of its brevity, but I mean, it's such a powerful book. Mm-hmm. Yep. So let's, let's talk about your uh, collaboration with your grandfather on, on this project. So, um, you know what? What made you want to to enter into this realm? Because it's it's different from what 
you know you've done in the past. I know you have theological training in advanced theological training in your background. But but what what moved you into this realm into the to the world of missions? Well, I would say it just from personal conversations with my grandfather is where it started for me. So when when I would visit my grandparents, um, especially toward those later years of my grandfather's life, you know, we would get into theological discussions that you know primarily consisted of me listening to him and um, <laughs> asking questions. But, yes, you know, in those times for me, the time would pass as if like hours were minutes and it had to be over like already. And um, I just I just wanted more. And so I remember one day and you know, probably if, if my grandfather was were still here to talk about for, you know, for him, what was the start of this, this book and this project for him, I, I'm sure his answer would be different and he was thinking ahead and, you know, different things. But for me, I um, remember that I, I was starting a blog, you know, one that's since fizzled as many um, blogs do, I guess. And I asked him about the faith statement for the blog. So I had crafted one with a friend and I just went to my grandfather, gave it to him to read because if you have someone like my grandfather and your family, that's you know, what you do for sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's great. That's wise. Yes. <laughs> and so, um, you know, he responded and the way that he responded just kind of opened up new frameworks of thought for me. So he started talking about how, you know, this, what I presented him represented the journey of my personal faith, but that it was not a faith statement and faith statements were forged in broad consensus in conjunction with movements of the Holy spirit as people submitted themselves to the scriptures. And, you know, I had been through Bible college and some of seminary at this point, but I, I hadn't heard this stuff, like how he was talking about this. And I really hadn't been challenged in this way. And I, you know, I really wanted more on that. Mm -hmm. So I did think about, my peers and my friends and just how I had all this access to my grandfather and how he was just supplying me with these areas that were lacking in my faith. And I kind of felt a responsibility to see if there was some way that I could share these perspectives with, with others. And so I, I made a list and, you know, I will say with some trepidation, I presented it to my grandfather because, you know, of course I had this close personal relationship with him and um, certainly bonded with him talking about theology and, and missions, but um, even with that bond, you know, asking something professional like, can we partner on something is a different kind of preposition, you know, than just a, let's converse about this. Um, and, you know, it, it's only fitting, obviously, the disparity between my ministry and academic you know, history and knowledge and just even years of invested relationship with the Lord and his like that disparity really, it couldn't be overstated. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's really a testament to the care of my grandfather for how the faith was going to be passed forward that he dove into this with me, which I mean, mm -hmm. still is just such grace to me. Like it still astounds me that he would do that. And, um, you know, we landed on this idea for a book and it was ended up being quite different, you know, from what I had proposed to him. And I will say that initially, 
you know, the, like in the subtitle that you had said, how we got to where we are and how to get to where we are going. Well, you have to start with the how we got to where we are part first. And I, you know, in my mind, I was thinking of my peers and I was thinking of this idea that I had had and, um, you know, motivation that I had had. And I said, OK, uh, you know, you're going to write about history. And, you know, I just have to be frank, like those were the classes in Bible college that I maybe glazed over a little bit more. I may <laughs> that one of them was um, literally a week long of intensive lectures. So uh -huh. you know, it, there, that, the length of time might be a reason that I kind of glazed over that, but a little yeah. bit more. But but still, um, it had not, you know, become my great love or anything that church history. And so, right. still by this point in the whole project and conversations with my grandfather, I knew enough to trust that I wanted what he was going to be serving me, even if I didn't have the taste for it yet. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, well, I was still thinking about like, like I said, like this project in terms of my peers and what, what might connect and, and that sort of thing. Um, I still wasn't making that connection, but he was still I mean, he was already far ahead of me and, you know, I didn't realize, well, I was kind of caught up on that concern and I didn't realize yet how much I had to learn and mm -hmm. how my own thinking need to, needed to be shifted at that point. And, and so, you know, we embarked upon this, upon this journey together and on this journey together. Yes. Well, well I, you said, you, you said something just a second ago that, I find I found really interesting, and that is you you were talking about that it was it was a different work, and and I guess in some sense it, it was it was it's really a different work, you know, not only for for yourself, but I, I would say even for him. Now I have not read everything that he has written, and 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 most of you listeners out there, you're you're we know David Hesselgrave primarily through books such as planting churches cross culturally, communicating Christ cross culturally, paradigms in conflict, and even the book that he co-authored with uh, with Ed Roman, uh, contextualization, but but yeah, I mean this is this is a different work from him for him as well. I mean it it mm -hmm. it goes into historical aspects of of how evangelicals got to you know where we are today. It looks at the theological issues and the tensions between liberalism and in 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 um, conservative evangelical theology. Uh, I think that's yeah, it's that's it's definitely. It's definitely different, but different in, I think, a very fresh and encouraging way. Um, but I also kind of took away that that there's a warning there. Mm -hmm. um, is, is that the case, that there's a warning to say, hey, you know, where are we going in the mm -hmm. future? You know, it's up, it's up to us and where we go from here. Yes, I would say it's fair to say that that was a deep concern of his mind and heart and very much inspired this project and wanting to speak to the student and the lay person, um, you know, the millennial reader. And so I, I, yes, I would say that that sense of warning was, is an aspect of the book, certainly. So in a quote that I, um, you know, that I found really fascinating uh, that, that I, uh, picked up when I was reading through this this book is that the statement is made, and I'm, I'm quoting here, it says, indeed, if uh, evangelical churches are to survive, much less thrive, uh, orthodox doctrine must be encouraged and embraced 
and sub-Orthodox doctrine must be recognized and resisted. I mean, you know, that is, I think, a powerful statement, and, you know, that 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 comes out of the Book of Jude, mm-hmm. you know, the contending for the faith, you know, once for all delivered to, to the saints. And so what was, if you, if you can kind of recall this, um, what was your, your grandfather's uh, um, thoughts on this? Did, was he, was he very, was he discouraged with where he potentially saw uh, um, conservative evangelicals going? Was, was he, was he, hopeful? I mean, what kind of what was, what was your observation, your assessment? I would say that he was concerned. Yes. I, and I would say that, um, one, one aspect of just what I took away and learned that stood out to me was, you know, here in the, in the early church, you had so many councils and, you know, you had the creeds and you had people coming together to hash out theological differences together just in submission to the scriptures. And um, I think one thing he mentioned to me, there are so many theological proposals out there because Mm -hmm. there is so much writing going on um, and there are, there are so many innovations going on that have he expressed a concern about whether or not we have grappled with all of those um, differences and hashed them through, uh, whether the evangelical leaders have hashed them through together publicly and, um, you know, what that means. and, And I resonated with that because I had really not, um, known that things were ever much different from what I had experienced in Bible college and seminary. And so I largely saw church history as people disagreeing about a lot of things. And Mm -hmm. so I was surprised that there were other times in history when, you know, he includes this quote from a missions historian that in those times of the early church, Christians in every part of the world felt themselves to be at one with all other Christians. And I had to really think and wrap my mind around how that would be the case, that that Christians agreed on doctrine beyond the basics of the gospel and some areas of Christian living, that, you know, there was a broad, greater consensus than that. And so I think it, it, in the end, it gave me hope because I think it was just almost an unidentified longing of my heart to see greater discussion. And, and, and it's not, um, and I don't mean the kind of discussion where you gloss over differences to right. just a mere cordiality with one another. Mm-hmm. I mean, a discussion where you're hashing through and and listening and submitting to the word of God and where, you know, the best, purest exegesis of scripture should take precedent, precedence. Um, and so I think what ended up 
happening, you know, certainly my grandfather had hope about the work of the Lord that does not end right. and that mm -hmm. continues throughout all generations. Um, but he did express concern about where the movement of evangelicalism was going without coming to these real points where we're, I say were, but I mean, I wouldn't be involved in any group that's doing this, but where leaders are, you know, coming together to, like I said, hash these things out and have these discussions that are reminiscent of the early church. Yeah, I, I did. I did remember reading in the book, and I think it had echoes of some of the things that I read in some of his other works and also heard him uh, in some of his presentations that he gave uh, at the Evangelical Missiological Society. And that that was a concern that evangelicals had been shifting their definition of, of mission mm -hmm. and and making it more—I think the word used in the book is inclusivistic, more holistic— and and that he believed that we were we were moving away from uh, gospel proclamation as primary and church planting as primary, and and moving into a, a variety of other good things, but potentially getting getting out of focus. Am, am I kind of summarizing his perspective correctly on that? Yeah, I would say I would say so, and um, I I think. Maybe a, even a lot of my peers wouldn't maybe know that there is an alternative position to holism um, mm. of prioritism and that there is a difference between these two um, descriptions of the mission of the church. What, what about the, just the process of putting this book together? What were some of the challenges uh, that, that came up? I mean— Obviously, he 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 passed away in in this process. Um, I mean, what what can you talk to us a little bit about about some of those issues? Yeah, well, for me personally, it was a learning curve. So I remember at the um, beginning of the project, I would just ask so many questions, and I think at one point he he just had to say to me, "Liana, at some point we have to write this book," you know, kind of. A, <laughs> um, so we we ultimately had to get on, get onto the, the good work there. But, uh -huh. um, yes, he did have a, um, health condition at the end of his life that was very, um, like, uh, what word do I want? Like dichotomous. Like there was, there were moments where he was his old self. And then there were moments when he was just in pain and very excruciating pain. And it was just based on the timing of when he could get this certain treatment that would be an ongoing kind of cycle. And so he would write and he would focus and he would, you know, produce in those good times. And then there would be the times when um, he wouldn't be able to. And so it was a long ongoing project, but it was, you know, the focus of his concerted effort in his final days. and. Um, so in terms of, uh, the challenge, obviously personally as a granddaughter, that was hard to see him go through, but I, mm -hmm. I remember just walking down the hall after one of our conversations together and, um, just putting my arm around him as we were walking and which now in retrospect, probably hurt him <laughs> quite a bit, putting my arm around him because of, um, his condition, but he, just saying to him that 
you know, I'm so sorry that he had to go through this pain. And he replied to me that it was the Lord who suffered and that it was, you know, the message inherent was still to the very end of his life, even through just that time of illness was all about the Lord and about turning my eyes to the Lord and um, his focus on uh, the Lord and on this project. And that was really from his um, head and his heart. And so I would say, um, yeah, there were those challenges uh, toward, toward the end and kind of the fruit of that period of his life was really uh, this project. You know, um, I can't imagine just the emotional roller coaster ride that that probably went along with you know collaborating with a with a dear family member on a on a project um, like this, but um, but is is there any you know when you think back on some of the the, the fond memories the uh, you know encouraging memories the the ones that just you know bring delight to your heart. Do you have a do you have a story or you know you know anything that uh, is about your grandfather that maybe the the missions community might not know but they would just say wow I, I wish I knew that about him because I had no idea I mean, is there anything like that that you feel comfortable sharing with us Oh man um, I mean thinking about the just being with somebody at that end of their life you know, it makes you think about the beginning and the beginning mm. of his ministry. And um, I don't know how much is out there about, you know, his very early ministry in Japan. But one thing that stands out to me, we have a family um, kind of heirloom, I suppose it's a trunk, and there are holes in the bottom that he made because he would bolt it to a truck when he first went over to Japan and he would just have all of his, um, essentials, uh, for, for ministry on there. And they would, uh, they meaning, um, nationals and other uh, missionaries would drive around the streets of Japan, just spreading, speaking the gospel, proclaiming the gospel. And, uh, some of those early ministry moments of his, just testimony to his need being met, whether it was a um, a new building for meeting together and how that was then later, uh, two years later, after a lot of hard work and prayer and gifts from churches, how um, that need was met. And so I, I think it, for me, reflecting on our time together, I mean, I see such a, there's such a, um, parallel between his early ministry and all of the messages that he was really sharing in this book and at that um, end of his life and how um, just what a joy to know about how he lived those things and um, was then able to share so much with me that that would be, um, yeah, such a joy to delve into more and um, grateful for what I was able to learn from him. Well, you you did a fantastic job on on this book, and I know that your your grandfather meant a great deal uh, to a, a lot of listeners. Influenced a lot of the people that are that are listening to you right now. Big influence on me. I mean, 
he was just he was a huge encouragement to me over the years. Um, um, I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever said this before uh, on on my podcast, but my first introduction to your grandfather was obviously through his writings, like many other people. And uh, I had a professor in in seminary that um, required uh, our class um, to read his book, Communicating Christ Cross Culturally, which, you know, it's a tome. I mean, it's massive. And we had to write a 20-page review over this book. And and I thought, you know, this is this is the driest book I've ever read. Now, <laughs> having said that, and by the way, I told him that um, one time, but uh, before he squashed me like a grape because he was very tall, much bigger than me, um, that that book was incredibly influential on me in my thoughts on communication theory. I've taught the concepts in that book before to, to many others. Um, the uh, the worst airport experience I ever had was sitting on the tarmac at the Chicago O'Hare Airport uh, for four hours because of a snowstorm. And the reason I was caught in the snowstorm is because I had uh, spent the morning with your grandfather and several other people listening to him talk to us about about missions and engagement and um, and church planting, and it was worth every hour on that tarmac. But um, so those are my my David Hesselgrave thoughts. Well, hey, Leanna, um, if the folks out there are wanting to know how to touch base with you online through social media, how can people find out more about about your blogging, about your writing, about your posting? Um, where, where can they get in touch with you? Oh, sure. Um, I'm on Twitter at Leanna Davis. And um, and that is spelled L-I-A-N-N-A, D-A-V-I-S. You got it. Yep. And then I have, um, you know, a website, LeannaBDavis.com. And I will, I do have some information about my grandfather up there in terms of his um, final um, memorial service and some articles that he uh, had written and other, you know, tribute articles, that sort of thing. And just, uh, those are encouraging pages even for me to read now because his, of his focus so much on, you know, the grace of the Lord and not, you know, not on the mm. individual person, um, at the end of a life, but just on the grace of the Lord, um, through that person and, and just the necessary grace of the Lord to, um, you know, live these lives that we have. And so I, those are hopefully, Helpful, and then I'm working toward a um, the beginnings of a bibliography page. So I'm working on compiling. Uh, uh, he did not keep a. It would have made this idea of mine so much easier. But he did not keep a bibliography of his writings. So, um, yeah. So I am. I have found someone else who had kind of started to do this and I'm going to kind of continue that work. So hopefully that will get up there eventually too. Well, that, that is, that is fantastic. So keep, keep up the great work. You've got a fantastic uh, ministry going on there and um, want to just encourage you to do that. And for those of you that are listening, make sure you get a copy. We evangelicals and our mission. It's a, outstanding work. Uh, like I said, I have read read through it and highly, highly recommend it. One of the things that you you see in this book is basically Hesselgrave and Davis are, are basically calling us to remember our history, to stay rooted in the, uh, the truth of the gospel and scripture, the Great Commission, 
And then if you really want a summary of where evangelicals have been and potentially where uh, we're going, you need to get a copy of this book. So get a copy, We Evangelicals and Our Mission. And also uh, check out um, Leanna's other works that are out there, her work on Jude, Keeping the Faith, and then um, her uh, book that uh, talks about her journey with the the loss of of, of her baby, uh, Made for a Different Land, Eternal Hope for Baby Loss. And uh, I think you'll be incredibly blessed uh, by, by her works there as well. So, Leanna, thank you so much for being with us today on Strike the Match. It's been a fantastic blessing uh, having you. Thank you so much. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. You can find J.D. on Instagram, Facebook, or follow him on Twitter at J.D. underscore Payne. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jdpain.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite Android app or at iTunes. And we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.